Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Like he said, I cannot really believe I'm up here. Um, A few, several weeks ago, he asked me, and I was like, I don't know. I I don't know. I've joked since we opened the church that he got a dud pastor's wife because I don't sing. I don't play keys. I was like, I don't really know. Most pastor's wives can do that. It's just a stereotype. But I was like, I I don't know. I had little faith that I could do this. And like he said, I was like, well, if you, how about this? I'll work on something. And if I don't think I can get it together, you have something ready to go. And in all honesty, my, I was probably just going to be like, you know what? You have something ready to go. You just, you just do it. I just can't do it. Until last week. And when he got up here and said that I was going to be speaking on Mother's Day, the reaction in this room was so overwhelming and encouraging to me. And text messages and calls and Facebooks and, and people coming up to me and talking to me about how excited they were and praying for me and It just makes me so proud and honored to be part of this church family with you guys, and uh, you are the reason that I'm up here today, so thank you for that. Um, I am not a public speaker. I'm not a pastor. I'm a nurse, and uh, I I know, I feel like I really enjoy hearing my husband speak every week, and I feel like he kind of sets the bar kind of high, and so um, if you would just do me a favor and take that bar and bring it down. (laughs) about right here, and if I shoot over it, then good for me, and if I don't, then you guys won't be too disappointed. Um, but today, uh, I want to talk about the story of Ruth and Naomi, as this is one of only two books in the Bible that is named after a woman, so it seems fitting that as we celebrate Mother's Day today, uh, we look at this book, since the two significant characters are both women and both moms. Um, and I know that Ruth kind of steals the thunder a little bit because her name is on the book, but I want to focus on Naomi, because Naomi's response to circumstances is what sets the tone that will leave a legacy for Ruth. Naomi had eyes to see God's work, even in the mundane routines of the lives that they lived, and her ability to see God through her pain is what allows him to take center stage and leaves a legacy of redemption instead of bitterness. So if you're not uh, familiar with the story of Ruth and Naomi, I'm going to give you a little recap. Um, It is just four little chapters. Um, It's a great story. It's one of my favorites. So if you haven't read it, go ahead and do that. Just don't take my word for for it. Um, But Naomi and her family are from Bethlehem, and there was a famine going on. And so Naomi, her husband, and two sons decide to pick up and go to Moab and start over there and settle there. And while they uh, were there, during the course of a decade, her husband dies, as well as both of her sons. And her sons had married Moabite women while they were there. And so Ruth, or Naomi decides, you know what? I, this has caused a lot of, she was angry with God, she was bitter, and she's gonna pick up and go home. 
but her daughters-in-law went to go with her. And so they set out on the way, and along their journey home, back to Bethlehem, um, Naomi says, you know what, you guys go back home, go back to your families. And both daughter-in-laws, one of which is Ruth, um, said, no, we want to stay with you, Naomi. And um, they talked, they cried together. It's obvious that they both loved her. Um, but again, she says, no, go, go back home to your families. And one of the daughters-in-law says, well, okay, bye, Felicia, I'm, I'm going back home. See, this is what happens when you let Shanda tell the stories. <laughs> um, but anyway, but not Ruth. Ruth says, no, I want to stay with you. And wherever you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Because you see, Ruth was Moabite, which means she was pagan and worshipped many gods. And so as I read through the story of Naomi and all the bitterness that she had, um, and anger towards God. It made me reflect over my life and some things that have happened, um, some significant more than others, um, but that cause bitterness or anger or question God. And so, um, like Naomi was in a foreign land uh, in Moab, I was in a foreign land, at least to you guys, I'm from Kentucky, um, born and raised there. And um, as growing up when I was younger, um, I have had two houses burn. Now, I know probably most of you in this room would be hard-pressed to know maybe one person who's had a house that's burned. Um, but, yeah, I am like the Guinness Book of World Record holders in this area, and I've had two houses burn. Now, my husband likes to tease me. Um, it's funny now. But <laughs> he likes to tease me because he thinks that I'm trying to bring this legacy into our home because I may have, a, on occasion, left the stove on, the gas stove. Um, but we've only had to call the fire department twice. So... <laughs> Um, but here's what I've learned about that, that natural gas dissipates quickly. So if you just throw open some windows, most of the gas was gone before the fire department even got there. <laughs> but I, I think I was in fourth grade when my second home burned. And as a small child, losing every material possession around you, it, it was scary for me. Um, and, and I, I was worried. I saw the anxiety that it caused my parents and um, just learning how to start over in that process. And then fast forward for a few years, um, when I was 16, my dad passed away of esophageal cancer. And I watched my strong, tough, hero dad uh, wither away to practically nothing over the course of a year before he passed away. And I was such a daddy's girl. No offense to my mom, she's great, I love her, um, but I was a total daddy's girl, and that just devastated me. And call it normal teenage rebellion, or poor coping and grieving process, or whatever, uh, I started making decisions in my life that led to some poor choices. Um, I started drinking a little and partying, and then it led to uh, some promiscuity, and as I got older into my early 20, college, early 20s, um, that just kind of escalated, and after a bad breakup with a guy, um, 
I decided I would start living by the philosophy that I will never let a man hurt me again. He will not leave me. He will not hurt me. And so I did this by not forming any relationships with anyone outside of the bedroom. And so I kept it at that. And uh, ultimately, that led to me being single and pregnant uh, at the age of 24. And uh, getting pregnant seemed, I was very angry and bitter about that at the time. I, I couldn't see um, the future and where we are now and to know what a blessing that was. And ultimately, that the brokenness that I felt um, is what got me back on the path back to God. Because if you can get pregnant using two forms of birth control, you have to say that God's hand is on that. <laughs> so our stories are a lot alike. Um, and where we're going to pick up today in Ruth, uh, Ruth and Naomi are heading back to Bethlehem. So if we look at uh, Ruth 1, 19. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi, the women asked? Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? You see, Naomi wasn't the same person who left her hometown. She was bitter and angry at God. And she could have left that legacy of bitterness, which is understandable because she did suffer much. You know, I, I lost everything in a house fire, all my, all my material possessions anyway. Uh, I, I lost a very dear family member. E even getting pregnant, I started questioning, how did this happen? I found my asking self, myself, God, how, why did you let this happen to me? And maybe you can relate. Um, maybe... You lost a job, maybe you're a great employee, but the plant shut down. Or you've lost relationships of loved ones or, or actually lost a loved one. Maybe you tried to rise above your circumstances or better yourself, uh, but you just continue to fail. Maybe you suffer from addiction. Maybe it's just someone in the church who has hurt you, offended you, or lied to you. All of these can cause bitterness in our hearts towards God. And it's understandable that these things can change us. But there are several key things in Naomi's story that will help us overcome bitterness, find redemption, and connect with God's purpose for that pain in our lives. Because the truth is, God will never waste an ounce of your pain. Just like we've heard Aaron say many times on a Sunday morning, he will turn your mess into your message if you will let him. If you're taking notes, here's three key things we can do to overcome bitterness and experience God's redemption. Number one, stick together. The loss of Naomi's three closest relatives, coupled with living in a foreign land, meant that her daughter-in-law, Ruth, became more like a daughter to her. And there was a connection there. Remember what Ruth had said? Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Even when Naomi returns to Bethlehem, still grieving her husband and sons, she's introducing Ruth to her people, and she's already introduced her to her God over the past decade. 
And when Naomi returns to Bethlehem with Ruth, there's a bond. She's her family now, and her people are her people. And I think it just goes to show how much Ruth must have loved God and lived her life for God over that course of 10 years. Because if Ruth, or Naomi, because if Ruth chose to turn to her God in that point in time where Naomi was bitter and angry, then she really must have lived a life of the shiny. And moms, there's something that we can get from this. If the father is the head of the household, then the mother is the heart of the household. Your heart comes through when it, and spreads throughout your home. And you will inspire and encourage teamwork. And you will instill values in your kids. And they will call upon those values over and over again to get through those tough times, but only if you stick together. There must be a glue in the family unit where you know that each of you has each other's backs. And moms like Naomi, you have to have that spirit of being all in it together. You know, when I found out I was pregnant, I was, I was 24, and I was terrified to tell my mom. Terrified. This is not what she had taught me growing up. She expected that I would save myself for my spouse and marriage, and I was terrified. And I tell her, and she was nothing but supportive to me, um, hugged me and said, you know, it's all going to be okay. And so now I'm pregnant. I found out I was pregnant the same week that I got my acceptance letter into nursing school. So that might have added a little bit of level of stress. Uh, how am I going to have a baby, a newborn baby, get through nursing school? My lease was running out with my roommate that I was living with, and she didn't want to renew that lease because, understandable, she didn't want to live with a newborn. I, I can understand that. But even in all that, my mom helped me figure everything out. She lived an hour and a half away from me um, from where I was working and attending school. And she was like, you know, when you have the baby, just come home. I'll help you take care of the baby. You finish school. It's important so you can take care of her for the rest of your life. And so even I, I lost my apartment with my roommate. And she even helped talk to one of her friends who agreed to let me live with her until I uh, had the baby so that I could continue to be closer to work and school. And my mom supporting me in that way just meant the world to me. Um, and maybe you don't have close family for one reason or another, um, but if you just look around you, this church and the people in it can become your family. They will have your back, and they will stick with you. We have to learn to stick together no matter what we encounter in life. And moms, we have to instill this principle into our families. The next thing we need to learn is to stand with God. That could not have been easy for Naomi. She may have felt like God hadn't been very good to her when you compare yourself to other people. Sometimes that happens. And there's likely a part of her that didn't want to stand with God. And whatever she had planned for her life, it all changed when she went to Moab. And the things that transpired there could have taken her off the path of following God. And yet we see that Ruth saw something different in her. She wanted to be with her because of what she saw, that shining. 
So jumping back into the story of Naomi and Ruth, um, they're back in Bethlehem now, and Ruth is going to go out and start working in the fields. And this is where she meets Boaz. And Boaz is like, hey, who's this girl? And he learns that he is a kinsman redeemer for Ruth. Um, but there was one person who was, had the rights before him. And if you're wondering what a kinsman redeemer is, uh, it's a relative of Ruth's deceased husband who would marry her to carry on the family name. That was very important back then. Um, they kept it all in the family and for their inheritance and the family names that had to go on, this is what they did. So Boaz steps up to the plate. He finds out if the guy who has first rights wants to redeem Ruth, and he does not. So Boaz calls dibs on Ruth. And when we look in uh, Ruth 4, it says, Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from, from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon, those, her husband and two sons. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. And you are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. And he slept with her, and the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. So Boaz buys the property, he marries Ruth, and now she has a son to carry on Elimelech's family name. So this reminded me of a story. See, Aaron always gets to get up here and, and tells funnies, and now it's my turn. Um, <laughs> so when Aaron and I were engaged... He had played a trick on me about something that he wanted in the ceremony, and I was like, <laughs> no. And he was just joking, but it was completely outrageous what he wanted, and I wouldn't even go into that. But I thought I would get him back. And so I call him one night, and I was like, you know, I've been thinking. You know, my, my dad has passed away. My sister, my only sister, is already married and has taken her husband's last name. And I'm the only one with my dad's family name. And it would really mean a lot to me if when we get married, if you would take my last name. And he sat on the phone, not wanting to hurt my feelings because I was so sincere. And sat there for what felt like eternity going, uh, uh, well, um. Uh. And finally, after a few minutes of torture, I let him off the hook. Ah, I'm just kidding. Some of you might say I was ruthless. <laughs> that was Aaron's joke, uh, by the way. So don't be mad at me. But the most unusual things happen when you stand with God. In an instant, your story can change. God has gifted mothers with the innate ability to take the hand that God gives you and set the tone for the family. And the way a mom responds to life's ups and downs and is also, I'm sorry, is often a significant part of the legacy that will be left for her children and grandchildren. This isn't just something that you do on Sundays or something that you do around other Christians. You have to live this life 24-7, relying on God and standing with Him. You know, in my story... 
my daughter's now born, Kasaya. Most of you probably have met her. And I've moved back home with my mom. And I had to start making decisions about how I was going to live. I had a baby now whose future and, and decision, every decision that I made affected her. Um, I was determined that I was not going to have another child who didn't know her father. And I couldn't be the same person in order to do that. I couldn't live that promiscuous life anymore. And I wanted to stick with God's plan and honor him with my body. And I am very proud to say that the next person that I had sex with was my husband on our wedding night. The burden that mothers carry is heavy. And it probably feels like their only response to wait, the weight is to end up leaving a legacy of pain and frustration. I know that is what I would leave if I didn't have God to help me through day-to-day -day life with my children. Uh, and if, if it all depended on you, that would probably be the case. But when you stand with God, you invite him into the life of the family. So stick together, stand with God, and finally, stay with God's plan. God has a plan. And we're tempted to walk away from that plan, to follow our own plans, but we need to trust him. He's a loving father who wants what is best for you. Moms understand planning better than anybody, I feel. Otherwise, how could we get the kids to every event every night? You got soccer at 6.30, band at 7.30, dinner in between, and a PTA meeting at the end. Moms who want to leave a great legacy for their family, but the burden can seem to be unbearable. But you're not alone. God is the one responsible for turning around difficult circumstances. You're responsible for being patient and trusting him and having eyes to see what it is that God is doing and to point it out to the rest of your family. That's what Naomi did, and when she did, she left a legacy of redemption. If we jump back into Ruth 4, then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord. He has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. And when it talks about you've had, the Lord has blessed you with a redeemer for your family, it's not a reference to Boaz. It's a reference to the baby. Not only is Ruth's life changed, but Naomi experiences a complete turnaround. Remember in the beginning she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because she was bitter. But something has changed. She didn't correct them when they called her Naomi, when they said Naomi has a son. She didn't correct them. She's different. She's been redeemed by this baby. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. Two things here. When Boaz redeemed Ruth, he redeemed Naomi's family line. So in a sense, she does have a son again, even though it's her grandson. And, and she's not pushing back on being called Naomi anymore. She rocks that baby. She didn't correct them. She's a grandma now, and everything has changed. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. She now sees God's hand at work. 
And what Satan had intended for evil, God has redeemed and worked it for good. So I had to learn to stick with God's plan. And one of the things that I did with that is to trust him in providing me with the right spouse for me who would be a father to my daughter also. And I had been going back to church, and I was going to prayer meetings also. And I just sat down one night. We were praying, and I wrote out all the characteristics and things that I wanted in a man. And I just folded it up. I put it in that prayer box, and I walked away from it. And I was trusting him. And even though I was alone, and it may not have been fun sometimes, I just stuck with the plan. And when Kasai was about one and a half years old, I was introduced with my husband. Now, I may have been surprised, if any of you have met my daughter, I may have been surprised that he was white. <laughs> but it's just funny, the picture that we paint for ourselves and what we think is best for our lives isn't always what God has intended for us. And I never could have imagined my life turning out this way. Even after we got married and in the beginning years of our marriage, I would never have imagined that we would have started a church a few years later. And I never would have imagined that I would be up here speaking someday. But he had a plan for me, and he has a plan for you too. If we look what it says in Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, how many things does it say he works for good? It doesn't say some of the things. It doesn't say a few of the things. Sometimes the things. It says all of the things he works for good. Now, we may not understand it, and it may not be the life that we have chosen. We may not even like it. But we can trust that God in heaven has a plan that is beyond us. We just can't see his purpose yet. And we may not see it on this side of heaven. He may be answering a prayer through our pain, so just hold on. That's what Naomi did. She trusted God's plan and stayed with him. And instead of leaving a legacy of bitterness... She let God leave a legacy of redemption for herself and her family. Don't let the circumstances knock your circumstances knock you off of your eternal purpose that God has for you. This is not some glitch in the program, whatever you're going through. It's part of his plan. Being a believer doesn't shield us from the storm. It just means that he walks through them with us. But God will always take back the bad and work it for good in our lives if we just stay with his plan. It's his specialty, redeeming our mess. We have to stick together, stand with God, and stay with his plan. Because of Ruth and Naomi's patience and faithfulness, God unfolded a great story. Ruth had a son. Let's look back at this verse again, 417 in Ruth. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. Now that's David as in King David. And we see that just two generations later, one of Israel's greatest kings descended from Naomi and Ruth. 
The pain never went away, but God used it to work out something great. It took a lot longer than Naomi might have liked, and no amount of rejoicing or royal lineage could take that away. The sting of losing her son, sons and husband. But after it was all said and done, even though God took away, never took away her hurt, it became clear that God was constructing a legacy for Naomi that would make her name remembered forever. You know, God is still in the business of redeeming people. You do recall another baby that would be born in that exact same family tree, the house and line of David. He too was born in Bethlehem, and he too was a king. His name is Jesus, and he wants to be the Lord of your life and Savior to you. Many of you think you've done too much wrong in your life, or you've gone too far from God. But take a look at Jesus' family tree. In Matthew 1, before we get to Jesus' story, we see his lineage. And there's dozens and dozens of men's names listed in that. But there's only five women. One is Mary, his mom, obvious. But the other four, one is Tamar. She tricked her father-in-law into having sex with her. Rahab, she was a prostitute, but she was the mom of Boaz. Ruth, who was a pagan and far from God. And finally, Bathsheba, who committed adultery with King David. Now, why would God choose to list those four names? What's the importance of that? Because God wants us to know that no matter what we've done, we can be redeemed. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's waiting for you to accept it. Let's pray. God, there's all kinds of people here in all kinds of circumstances who need your redeeming power in their life. God, let us be free from bitterness and to know that no matter where we've been or what we've done, that it's never too late to be redeemed. Help us find those people and around us who we can learn to stick together with. Show us who those people are. God, help us not to allow bitterness to, to come between us and standing with you. Help us to trust you even when we can't see it, to stay with your plan. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. This morning, will you? Give her some love. Thank you, Shanda. You know, she was talking, one of the things that just struck me the most was the, the thought that your pain might be an answer to prayer. And I'm going to pray one more time before we, we pass offering buckets and dismiss for the day and let you moms get get into your strawberries and your presents and your cards and your flowers and the rest of your day with your family. But if you're here today and you're not following Christ, you're, you're far from God, it's possible that the pain you are experiencing right now in your life is the answer to somebody else's prayer for you. Think about that. They may say, God, let them go through whatever they need to go through so that they can experience your love. They're praying for you. And we're praying for you. We're praying that you would encounter a God who loves you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. And today, as we bow our heads to pray one more time, if you're here today and you'd say, Aaron, I need to pursue a relationship with God, 
I want to know that love. I want to engage in that love. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. That king who was born that would redeem my life in the same way that Naomi's baby redeemed hers. Jesus was born. He came to this earth. He died and paid a price for you so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be set free from addiction, set free from the mistakes of your past. You could be made brand new. If you want to be made brand new today, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'd like to be included in that prayer, would you just let me know by putting your hand in the air? Say, Aaron, that's me. Do that now. Throw your hand up. Say, that's me. That's me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'm going to pray a prayer. And whether you're watching by Periscope or you're listening over the podcast, you too can join us in this prayer. Just pray these words. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, that you died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later that you did all of this Jesus to put your love on display for me thank you Jesus forgive me of my sins make me brand new and show me how to live for you and I promise I'll spend every day living that way help me do this Jesus be Lord of my life I need you. Amen.